Will you pray with me? Lord, help us to become masters of ourselves that we may be the servants of others. Take our minds and think through them. Take our lips and speak through them. Take our hands and heal through them. Take our hearts and set them on fire for Christ's sake. In the name of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Please be seated. I think it's been uh, about 10 years ago. Um, I met a little girl, and she was about seven at the time. Uh, good little Dutch girl from West Michigan, which is where I come from, named Penelope Plukstra. <laughs> and Penelope, as I said, was about seven years old, and for her whole life she had been a very strong uh, devotee of St. Nicholas. Some of you know the tradition of Santa Claus here in the United States really gave birth uh, uh, in the Netherlands, Sinterklaas. Uh, came over here uh, in the early 1800s, and a lot of our kind of Coca-Cola, Santa Claus, comes from that tradition. And she had been writing Sinterklaas. She had been writing St. Nicholas. And she would do that on days different than most children write St. Nicholas here in the United States. You see, she was a little Dutch girl, which meant that she actually celebrated Sinterklaas Day, the Feast of St. Nicholas, which this year was the first Sunday of Advent, December the 6th. She had been writing him, and she wrote him every year and said, you know, St. Nicholas, I heard that you gave gold coins to children once, so forget the dolls, forget the trucks, uh, just the coins, please. Uh, and every year she would write St. Nicholas this same wonderful letter, please, you know what I want, you know what my heart's desire is I want what you have promised, these gold coins, and I thank you in advance for giving them to me. The problem is that every single time Penelope met St. Nicholas, she would get gold coins, but they were made out of chocolate. What a bummer. Uh, she wanted the real thing. And that year, her Sunday school teacher said to her, you know, Mary, Mary, really gave us the, the best gift of all. And Penelope said, you know what, I've been writing the wrong person. Maybe I should write to Mary. She knows what I want. St. Nicholas is not giving me what I want, so maybe I'll write to Mary. And on that first Sunday of Advent, Mr. and Mrs. Plukstra put out their Advent scene, just the Mary and Joseph for now. But the manger was there, and Penelope thought, aha, there's my mailbox. I will write to Mary. And that first Sunday of Advent, she wrote this beautiful, pious, maybe spiritual letter to Mary. Dear Mary, our blessed mother, queen of heaven, you know what I want. I've been asking for it for a long time, and thank you for giving to me what I deserve for Christmas Day. And Mr. and Mrs. Plugstra were just so proud. They read the letter, they put their arms around each other and said, isn't this sweet? She put this note in the manger, all Penelope wants for Christmas is Jesus. The second Sunday, she thought, you know what, I'm not going to give up just on one letter. I'm going to write another one, and dear Blessed Mother, Queen of Heaven, you know what I want, thinking of these gold coins. I want to thank you for what you're going to give to me on Christmas Day. And she stuffed the note back in the manger. And sure enough, Mr. and Mrs. Plugstra, that night were planning on watching Merry Christmas, Charlie Brown, 
And the best part of that movie, of course, is where the Dutch theologian, Linus Van Pelt, recites the Christmas message from the Gospel of Luke. And she put her note in the manger, and Mr. and Mrs. Plukes just saw the note, and they were so proud. We didn't even need Linus to tell her. This is what she wants for Christmas. All she wants for Christmas is Jesus. Well, Penelope decided that she was absolutely going to get those gold coins this year, and she saw on the third Sunday of Advent a rose-colored candle. She knew that was a merry day, so she could not help herself but write another letter. And then the fourth Sunday of Advent, you heard the Magnificat again just now, was a merry dose. So she wrote this beautiful letter to our Blessed Mother. Dear Blessed Mother, you know what I want. Thank you for what I'm going to get on Christmas Day. Well, Christmas morning, the manger was all set up. The shepherds were there. Mary and Joseph were there. And aha, baby Jesus was where he's supposed to be. You're a good Episcopalian. You don't put that in until Christmas, right? Hopefully. <laughs> Well, baby Jesus was in the manger, and Penelope, being an only child, saw this stack of presents almost as high as the tree, and she knew that every single one of them were for her. And she started to just tear open all the presents and the boxes, and she got these beautiful toys and this computer and video games and everything a little kid would want. And every single time she opened one of those presents, she was disgusted because it didn't have the gold coins. And... Mr. and Mrs. Plukes had just thought to one another, that's all she wanted was Jesus. We could really use a lesson from Penelope. And finally, Penelope ended up opening all of the presents, and she was annoyed. She was expecting gold coins and got none of them, and she stomped out of the living room, and on the way out, she snatched the baby Jesus from the manger. And her parents said, that's all she wanted. <laughs> was Jesus. Well, the next day, the next morning, Mr. and Mrs. Plukstra saw yet another note from Penelope in the manger, that vacant manger now, because Penelope had swiped the baby Jesus, and they were looking so forward to reading this letter, and they put their arms around one another and expected to read yet another spiritual letter from Penelope, although this time when they opened the letter, there was no, oh, blessed mother, Queen of Heaven, it sounded rather something like this. Mary, if you ever want to see your kid again, please deposit four gold coins <laughs> in the manger. <laughs> Penelope's not that different from a lot of us, I think. She wanted what she wanted, and yet Mary does give us the greatest gift of all during this time of the year, and of course that's Jesus and the Incarnation. But one of the things that we do not often talk about, and we should, is the other uh, thing that Mary gives us during this time, and that is her prophetic voice. It's interesting, when we've listened to St. John the Baptist, the first two Sunday of Advent, we've listened to the Blessed Virgin Mary, the second, or rather the third and fourth, Sunday of Advent, and their message is very similar. John talks about bringing down the mountains and lifting up the valleys and making the rough places plain and the crooked uh, roads straight so that everyone has a chance to live and to thrive. And he speaks about this upside-down kingdom where the people at the bottom are now at the top. And Mary talks about the same thing, and she talks about that 
the rich will be sent away empty and will take down these people from their thrones. And God is lifting up the lowly in this strange economy, in this strange administration where those at the bottom are placed at the top. That is the message of Christmas. It's about this new coming of this new kingdom where wealth and privilege and class and those people who are at the top are upended. And it's difficult sometimes for people to hear that who are doing quite well because the status quo for them worked and does work. And yet Mary, in her prophetic voice, starts this way. She says that the goal of her life is to magnify and glorify God. And we might pause here a minute to ponder with her. She says her soul magnifies. It brings into focus. It acknowledges and enlarges and allows us to see a glimpse of all the details, a clear peek at heaven. And what a witness that we may be able to say the same thing, that in my life the chief existence or chief end of my existence is to bring glory to God so that someone might be able to catch a glimpse of God more clearly demonstrated in my own life. And she continues to sing this song and she's astounded by the fact that God has chosen her to bring the Son of God into the world. She proclaims that her very heart is a look at the good news, that God would choose the lowly thing, herself, to be the throne of the Messiah, the God-bearer, in her actual body. Oh, the miracle and mystery of the Incarnation. And I think sometimes we often lose that too, and it's something that we absolutely should be paying uh, close attention to during this coming week, the incarnation. You see, Jesus was not just satisfied to come and be with us, but rather to become one of us. To become one of us. And by his coming to be one of us deifies our flesh and allows us to become part of the divine life. Without the incarnation, friends, Christianity is worthless. It's just a another moral and ethical code that you could get somewhere else. The fact that Jesus came to earth to be one of us is, may I suggest to you, worth fighting for. Let's talk about St. Nicholas again. Did you know that St. Nicholas was one of those who was responsible for the, uh, the, the Nicene Creed? That creed that we profess every single time we have Mass? One of the things that St. Nicholas was most, most concerned about, uh, and this is in the 320s, remember St. Nicholas is an actual historical figure, the Bishop of Mira, now Turkey, back in the 300s, is that Jesus Christ is not only fully human, but is fully God. And there was another priest there at the Council of Nicaea, his name was Arius, some of you might know this story, a great and influential priest from Alexandria, and do you know, legend says that St. Nicholas and Arius actually got in a fist fight about this doctrine. It's worth fighting for. The doctrine of the Incarnation is just that important to us. It's Mary that comes to us and Mary that allows God to come to us. She's filled with a sense of expectation here 
She's filled with a sense of pregnancy, and that's something also we might be able to take from the Blessed Virgin Mary during this final week of Advent. It's, Advent is not just about waiting, but preparing and expecting Jesus. And I wonder, do you feel pregnant today with Jesus? He's coming. All four candles are lit today. He's on his way. From here, Mary also speaks uh, in the same way that St. John the Baptist speaks. John's message, uh, again, has been calling out for this uh, sense of yearning for restoration. John tells us that we know there is something better than what we've been experiencing. He's looking forward to something bigger and better. In the same way the Old Testament prophet Isaiah was talking about the same thing of bringing down the, the mountains and the valleys and letting Jesus come right back in into the throne of our own heart. You see, Advent, friends, is not just about uh, the past, right? It's about the present and the future, all three tenses. And Mary and St. John the Baptist teach us. You see, Jesus has come. 2,000 years ago, born in a suburb of Jerusalem to a middle school-aged virgin and her betrothed in a manger. The incarnation. Jesus has come, and we celebrate that in Advent. And while he has come, we still anticipate it now. But it's not just the past, it's the present too. You see, Jesus is coming, and we celebrate that in Advent too. And how does Jesus come to us Today, how is Jesus coming to us now? But when we are here praying together, both virtually and uh, uh, together in person, uh, praying together, worshiping together, and also Jesus coming in the most profound way, ironically today when we cannot have it at the altar in the Blessed Sacrament, I suggest to you there is no more profound way than Jesus comes to us now than at the Sacrament of the Eucharist. You see, Jesus has come, and Jesus is coming, but also in Advent we celebrate the fact that Jesus will come. It was back, I think, the second week of November when we started to hear these apocalyptic texts of Jesus coming back like a thief in the night, like a master from a journey, like a, a, a bridegroom ready to collect his beloved. And that's what Advent means, too, when Jesus will finally come and rule, and reign, and finally have that kingdom that he has already established be fully revealed and flipped up on its head. And so, come. Come, Emmanuel. In the name of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen.